0: I remember the first time reading through the book of Job. There's a lot of things I took reading through the book, but in the book of Job, it's a pretty interesting read. You get to see a man brought to a man brought from the highest heights of achievement to the lowest low. You see the quest the round of questioning he had internally and you see the round of questioning and he had amongst his peers and the questions that they had the one the one thing that i see sometimes in the in the world i guess in a line of questioning is when people question god and i don't mean question god in the sense of like going to god in prayer like Man, I was wondering about this and going to God and asking, hey, God, well, how does this work? How does that work? Or or how did this happen? It's questioning God as though you were in the position to question what God is doing. Like when you hear sometimes when you hear people say, well, if God exists, how could he do X, Y or Z? How could he allow this to happen? How could he allow that to happen? Sometimes when I look at these things, I see them from, um, I guess a, a lens of comparison to something I can physically see. If you, if you saw an ant or, or if an ant could speak, think about the, the smallest ant you can think of. If that ant could speak and that ant could question you, like, why are you going that way? You would look at that ant like it was retarded, like, bruh, go dig your dirt. Go, go, go get some some cakes off the counter or something like who are you to question me? When you when you think about that, right, and that that's just the separation of of man from another creature, another creation of God. Think about the vast separation between man and God, who are we to question God? Uh, This, this was kind of born out of a conversation I had with a, a good friend of mine. And I think sometimes we fail to realize, comprehend, and understand that God is not bound by the things we're bound by. God created the laws of nature that bind us. He is not bound by these things. God is not bound by time. God is not bound by the laws of physics. But I wanted to get into something. Because of course, you know, it, it, it never fails. I'll have a conversation and there'll be... Bible verses that I'll come across that coincide and link with this conversation and Spawns a whole nother group of thoughts. So anyway, let's get to this In the book of Psalms, I'm going to go to Psalm 135 and verses 5 and 6 Psalm one hundred thirty five five and six The Bible says For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord please that did he in heaven in uh, that he did he in heaven and in the earth, in the seas, and all deep places. Simple concept. God does whatever he pleases. In Psalm 115. We'll go verse 1 through verse 3. So Psalm 115 verse 1 through verse 3. Not unto us, O Lord... Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy, and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens, and he hath done whatsoever
1: he pleased. If you
0: read through the book of Job, if you read through a book like, a, like the book of Ecclesiastes, I think you, you'll begin to understand this theme. Like You'll begin to be able to wrap your brain around this. God does what God pleases. We are not in the place of God. We do not have the complete mind of God. God can show us through his word what his mind is on different subjects, for a person who gets saved, God imparts unto you the Holy Spirit who will help you to grow, instruct you in spiritual things, convict you when you're going a direction that you shouldn't go, but you're not God. As simple as that statement is, as simple as you would think it would be to understand that statement, this is something that the truth and the full weight of that is not understood. In the book of Exodus, chapter 3, let's go Exodus three fourteen. So Moses is being sent to the children of Israel. He's being sent to Egypt. He's going to. Deliver the children of Israel out of bondage. So Moses asked God, Well, when I go to these people, who who am I gonna say sent me? I oh I've said I said this in a in a video, I think yesterday or the day before yesterday. There is no wasted words with God. Things are said for a reason, and sometimes when you see the Bible say something or you see a Bible verse. It's a good idea to park there for a bit and analyze why was this said? What was the significance in this? This is who God told Moses to tell the people who sent him. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say. Unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. When you think about the word am, a a small word, right? Seemingly insignificant word in the grand scheme of words. But what 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 that word carries, especially in a context like this, that. This is almost so simple yet so heavy. It's hard to explain if that makes any sense to you. This denotes God's supreme existence. Simply, I am. Not I was, not I came from this place, not this was my origin, not this is where I came from, not this is where I began, but I am. You see, humans, we are God's creation. So we can't, we can't really wrap our brains around this or fathom just existing, no beginning, no end, just you are. That's a heavy statement. And this is repeated in the, in the gospel of John chapter eight, John chapter eight, verse 58. But something else is added there to add further context, context to the statement. Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you before Abraham was, I am. The contrast is man versus God. <clears throat> Abraham was that's past tense. That's putting him within the within the constraints of time. But in contrast to God, God says, I am. Like that statement is weighty.
1: I'm going somewhere with this. In the book of Psalms, chapter ninety. And verse 2:
0: Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. That word everlasting means eternity, eternal duration, past and future. That's, that is super duper heavy. God is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. There is no start or no finish to him. Now, with that in mind, this is where I'm going with that. With that in mind, who are we to question what God does or doesn't do? And Isaiah
1: Chapter,
0: I believe it's 55. I'm going to 55 and verse 8 and 9.
1: This is God speaking.
0: For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, or neither are your ways. My ways, saith the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Consider the fact that when this was written. There was no space travel. We understand Arguably more now about space distances, how, how high up, you know, uh, the earth's atmosphere is the distance of the sun, the moon with, you know, within reason, we understand these distances we've, we've, we've made a lot of advancements in, in science and measuring, but think about the context And what God is conveying and the times to a person during this time, the distance of, of man on earth to the heavens would have been an infinite, just an immeasurable, imaginable distance. This is what God is trying to convey about his way versus our way. God is not constrained by time, space, and the laws of physics. God created man. We exist within these, within these restraints. God doesn't. That's what makes questioning God's actions even that more ridiculous. Look, I don't understand why some people get cancer. I don't understand why some people are killed in, in the ways they're killed. I don't understand why there's devastation. I don't understand why there's wars, slavery, the Holocaust. I don't understand. But what I do know is that from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. That's what the Bible says about God. God says, I am
1: that I am. God's existence, it's so heavy
0: and it's so, it's so, like, sometimes I feel like the existence of God, God's, God's power, his, his omniscience, his, his, his action, his ways are so beyond us. And I'm glad that he had this verse recorded in the book of Isaiah because it gives you a starting point to understand who God is before you go questioning God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I have four children. I'm sure growing up, my children probably heard me say things and wondered, well, why can't we do this? Or why do we have to do this? Or why do we have to do that? I'm their parent. I've been on this earth a lot longer than they have. There's things they don't even understand, right? Some of them are, you know, grown, getting out the house, going on and, you know, into their lives. But when they were little children, what would it look like for them to question my actions, right? Like imagine a two year old going, Dad, I'm not sure you should buy that house. Bro, what? How about you sit down right there? Let me handle this stuff because you don't even understand what's going on. You don't even have a full context. Not only is that similar to to man's understanding versus God's understanding, but it's even. It's even more vast on an infinite level. We are not in the place Or the position or the authority to question God. To question what he's doing or why something happened a certain way. When you understand God's holiness, God's wholeness versus the condition of man, it's humbling. You're talking about the God that said let there be light and there was light. Let that sink in.
1: God said, let
0: there be light and it came to be. And we want to question God. That is an absurdity and nonsense. Stay frosty people.